Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. Friday edition of OutKick 360 is here. 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Armando Salguero joins us. We talk NFL headlines with Armando from OutKick.com. He'll be with us in 20 minutes. Plus, a full preview of the top games across the NFL. We'll give you some of our underdog picks and much more. We'll look ahead to the the bowl games on tap this weekend. Already underway. UAB coming back in the fourth quarter to uh, take care of Miami of Ohio. Although, great finish in the first game of the Bahamas Bowl, 24-20. Bowl season's off to a bang of a start. It was a great finish. Two yards short of winning the game for Miami of Ohio, UAB with the stop on the last play of the game. Exciting. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Merry Christmas. Merry Start Christmas. The, I just watched uh, Spirited over the weekend, okay, yeah. and there's a, it's a musical, and there's a, an entire musical number titled Good Afternoon, <laughs> and it's about in, in Dickensian England in the 1840s, if you said good afternoon to someone, it was like saying bleep you to oh, someone. Really? It was a cut down. So if you went and said good afternoon... That was a way of, it's almost like bless your heart. If a Southern woman says that to you, it's not a good thing. So every time I hear good afternoon now, Hutton, I feel like you're telling me to bleep off. Did the, uh, so I, I appreciate it. Good I'm afternoon so, I'm to you, too. i not doing that, yes. Uh, good afternoon you, to you, too. Are you, you were already around a seven, you said, for your Christmas yeah. spirit. Did last night put you at a ten for the Outkick Christmas party? It, it helped. Uh, it was very festive with the Outkick Christmas party. What did not help was... Walking in and Clay Travis looking at me said, "Do you have a mustache? Are you are you trying to grow a mustache?" And I was like, "I haven't shaved in like three days. This is just what happens when I don't shave. I don't know what to tell you. My my facial hair, in the words of Joe Dirt, it it grows in all white trashy like and doesn't really connect with the goatee to the mustache. So there's a little bit of a separation. So I had there was facial hair on the side and on the chin and below my nose, above my lip." But it just doesn't connect as well. So Clay thought I was actually intentionally trying to grow a mustache, like my father Tom, who rocks the mustache oh, yeah. as well as Magna PI in the 1980s. I don't rock the mustache well. Uh, I don't rock the beard particularly well. I wasn't trying to grow a beard, but it really just threw me off the moment I walked in. And Clay's like, "Is that a mustache? Are you growing a mustache?" And I'm like. Does anyone here have a razor? <laughs> Can I go shave right now? The man who's wearing a red velvet sports coat all yeah, night is criticizing me about my fashion and about my look. How dare he? Good afternoon. Yes. <laughs> That's what I wanted to they, say. Clay looked the part. Also, the uh, the alligator boots were a big hit as well yeah. for, for Clay. Yeah, it was a, a, oh, the, a the great night, time with all the staff. The night ended night. with Clay putting his boots up on a table and demanding someone take a picture that the boots were in the picture. So make sure you get the boots. Make sure you get the boots in this picture. I, I walked away at that point. The 49ers win over Seattle last night on Thursday Night Football, 21-13 the final. And the 49ers have wrapped up the NFC West. They are the second team now to do it. And they do it behind Brock Purdy, who wins again. And 
behind solid defense led by Nick Bosa. But here is Brock Purdy now leading the charge for Shanahan's squad that have now won seven straight games. And in those games, the defense has not allowed more than 17 points in those wins. They are hitting their stride. And so now the big question is for San Francisco, with three games to play and knowing that at worst, you're going to be the three seed. At best, you'll be the two because no one's catching Philadelphia. And on the flip side of that, out of the NFC South, that team's going to be the four no matter who wins it because every team is bad. So do you rest players? Do you start to try to get as healthy as possible now? Or with Purdy at quarterback, do you need to make sure everything is in rhythm with all of your starters as you go into the postseason? I'm, I'm torn on this because on one side, it's the war of attrition. We hit this yesterday. And they've also lost two quarterbacks already from the starting position. You don't need that to happen again. No. And this guy can win. Josh Johnson's next up if yeah. he goes down. If Purdy this, goes down. This guy can win for you. I, I mean, just watching the offense play, they'll get Debo Samuel back, they hope, by the start of the, the postseason as well. I don't know if it's worth the risk of actually trying to get things um, humming as they go to the postseason. They're, they're already there, and this defense is as legit of a group in the NFL as there is across the league. I think I have a very, very, very clear opinion on this of what to do, and it is that scared money doesn't win. I think you got to play. You play out the rest of the way. You try to make sure you get that number two seed. You still are. It's that they're not locked into a seed. I think it's a little bit different if they're locked in to one seed line or another, but you try to play for that number two seed. And, and Hutton, what you said, Brock Purdy needs the reps. He needs to get more and more in sync with this offense. It's only going to help this guy. His confidence is growing with each game and with each win. This is just his second start. He entered the game two three games ago, ago yep. three weeks ago, played well, played well in the start and the win over Tampa Bay, started this game efficient, not great, but did what he needed to, didn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, I, I saw where there's three quarterbacks – in their first two starts to have thrown for 70% completion percentage and four touchdowns with no picks. Those three quarterbacks now are Brock Purdy, Aaron Rodgers, and Jimmy Garoppolo is, is the third, which was interesting to me. Yeah. So, look, Purdy is only going to get better. you got to play him, and it doesn't help him to play him with backups right. and start resting some of your stars. Christian McCaffrey gets better and better. 32 touches. In different ways. 138 yards from scrimmage last night. Last night. So, yeah. George I, Kittle. I, you got to go. Scare, scared money. Defenses. Scared money's not going to win here. I think if you're San Fran, you play for that number two seed and you leave your guys in. And this defense, three sacks, two forced fumbles, seven passes defended. And Nick Bosa had one of those sacks. Would have had another. There was a, a pick six that would have extended the game 28-3. to three. It was called back on a Bosa hit on Geno Smith where as he's letting the football go, he is, uh, Bosa's going right at the midsection, right at the, the rib cage for yep. a hard hit and ends up la like landing on him, driving into him. And that was the description from the official. And Bosa said uh, after the game and said today um, that he felt like it was a good call. Like he was worried that it was going to be flagged based on the fact that he landed on Geno Smith the way he did. That looked like it's just a great hit. But there, the, the focus is also on the quarterback being driven into the ground 
And you, you can see that on the other sack where Bosa took the NFL lead with 15 and a half now in the season. On the other sack, he made sure that he wasn't going to do the same thing. He was conscious of that. And you could, a, a, a clean hit, but the way they went to the ground, the official called it. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's mind But here's, here's what we're teaching with, with these rules. It's to not really have a tackling technique. Like your job now is to kind of matador the quarterback to the ground yeah. somehow without landing any part of your body on top of him. And from the lowest levels of football, it's, you know, get low, square someone up, uh, keep your head up as you hit them, drive through them, make sure they go to the – I mean, and now it's just go and push the guy down. You know, you can't yeah. go too low. You don't want to go too high. Push him down the chest or grab part of his jersey. Start to sling him. He may stand up. That's, you know, not your fault if he does, but hopefully he falls down. I mean, it's just – I don't know what you do. If you're Bosa, I, it, I just hope your best that you can get him to the ground without really hitting him, right? Yeah, that, that's mean, the goal. Yeah. If you're if you're getting close to the quarterback, uh, they they are they are in a really tough spot in that mode. Because also uh, Smith was there was an off the right tackle I believe was driven back the other way, and so he hit the offensive lineman on the way down, like he backed into him almost on the way down on the tackle attempt. Which I, I don't know if it added to it or not, but I mean. It's not like you have a lot of room there to work with, but you, you did see that gin, they gingerly sacked him uh, the rest of the way. But if you're, you know, uh, Big Ben when he was playing, Josh oh, no. Allen yeah. right now, you're not ever going to get those guys to the ground. You're right. I mean, you have to, by the letter of the law, and what well, there isn't really no letter of the law because it's all so subjective, but by what officials are calling right now, to bring Josh Allen to the ground, you have to rough him up. So the, <laughs> It's going to be a 15-yard penalty yeah, for it, roughing the passer because that's the physical force it takes to get a guy like that to the ground is no longer allowed in football, which is... So, uh, it, it, this is how the befuddling. rule reads. I know. And, and Bosa, again, he took the high road and said it was a good call, but here, here's the quote from the, from the NFL rulebook. A rushing defender is prohibited from committing such an intimidating and punishing acts as, quote, stuffing a passer into the ground or unnecessarily wrestling or driving him down after the passer has thrown the ball. When tackling a passer who is in a defenseless posture during or just after throwing a pass is in parentheses, a defensive player must not unnecessarily or violently throw him down and land on top of him with all or most of the defender's weight. Instead, the defensive player must strive to wrap up the passer with the defensive player's arms and not land on the passer. I don't know how. If you're Nick Bosa, you're flying through there on that hit, and you you were supposed to, in somehow in the moment, like twist off somehow and get where you don't land on him in a in a, a it's a, a, a closet basically that you're trying to work out a telephone booth where you also have an offensive tackle that's been driven back the other way and there's no room to go. I I. Uh, I don't know how you avoid it's, this. It's, it's perplexing. Ace in our YouTube chat says, if you're going to go that far in quarterback protection, then as soon as a defender grabs a quarterback or touches them, the ref should blow the whistle dead. The problem with that is, then you eliminate Eli Manning to David Tyree. Yeah. Because that yeah. was one of the most exciting plays in the history of the game in a Super Bowl where Eli Manning was grabbed, slung around, kept his feet, stumbles back up and then throws the ball for the helmet catch against the Patriots that ends up beating them in a Super Bowl. And ultimately what the league wants 
is offense, yep. excitement, money. And what drives that are these great quarterbacks. So they're going to do everything to protect. There's nothing fair about this. Right. This is not fair and balanced. This is not something that's intended to be fair for the defense. It is they're not going to blow the play dead because they want that ability of the quarterback to slip out of a tackle because the guys are having to tackle them so light right now right. to avoid roughing. That That's what ultimately the league wants is for those type of plays to happen. And it's not fair for the defense. Brittany Griner uh, posts on Instagram, breaks her silence. First time she's uh, posted anything like this with a statement since she's arrived back to the United States. It feels so good to be home. The last 10 months have been a battle at every turn. I dug deep to keep my faith. And it was the love from so many of you that helped keep me going. From the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone for your help. She goes on to list uh, several, uh, a number of people that assisted in making sure that she was back in, in the U.S. And she also made it a point to mention President Biden and his commitment to bringing home Paul Whelan and others that remain um, over there without uh, an opportunity to come back. And that's also important in her statement as well. She also recognized her Russian attorneys, which I, I didn't even think that she'd be given an attorney in, in Russia, honestly, uh, the way their system works. I, I was kind of surprised to see that she had two attorneys in Russia that were representing her release to try to get out. So um, my big takeaway from the, the statement is that she says she's going to play this upcoming season yeah, for, the Mercury. for the Phoenix Mer Mercury. And my first thought was, not at one point did I ever think about Brittany Griner playing in the WNBA again. I mean, that's how little I care about the WNBA. Right. I and never thought of it that. In, that, in that respect, right? Yeah, I didn't. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess if, if she's not injured and she's healthy enough, I guess she could play professional basketball again. But when, when I saw that part in the statement, I thought, boy, she's saying she's going to come back and play this season. I didn't even give it one second's thought. I was hopeful she'd get back and be back in the United States, I never even thought about her coming back and playing in the WNBA. Same. Not, not once. Same. And she was, uh, she ended by saying, I also want to make one thing very clear. I intend to play basketball for the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury this season, and in doing so, I look forward to being able to say thank you to those of you who advocated, wrote, and posted for me in person soon. And uh, signs it with uh, BG, Brittany Griner, 42. Um, yeah, I, I like the sentiment, though, about Paul Whalen and mentioning the, the commitment to also getting him back uh, to the States. Um, Armando Salguero is about to join us. He is in Buffalo. He will be covering the Bills and Dolphins where it is... Can I wait to get a weather update yes, from him? It's, it's beyond cold. And the lake effect snow is scheduled. And Armando's got an interesting take on the quarterback play in this game and who the snow actually benefits. Armando Salguero next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network, and we are pleased to be joined by Armando Salguero of Outkick.com, who 
has made his way to Buffalo. Snowy Western New York. Yes, and the lake effect snow is going to happen, and it's going to be great for us watching it. Armando has made it. He's going to be at the game for covering uh, for full coverage of this. Armando, uh, I hope uh, everything went well in getting there, and I, uh, I hope everything goes well in going home after the game based on uh, the, the, the forecast. Now, I'm a little peeved, guys, because uh, so I draw this assignment in Buffalo. Meanwhile, you guys are having Christmas parties <laughs> and celebrations in Nashville. Uh, you know, somehow that doesn't feel right to me. That that That's not righteous at all. Yeah, the weather's slightly better in uh, Nashville. I will say, though, it's going to be like teens and 20s over the weekend, even here in Nashville. But you were missed at the holiday party last night, uh, Armando. I'm amazed at the amount of Miami writers that I follow that are just extremely angry that this game has not been moved. They're like, they moved the game to Detroit for less, you know, the, the conditions weren't going to be this bad, and now they're making this Miami team play in this. And I'm thinking, you get a chance to be a part of something pretty cool watching this game, and you're going to be there. It's, it's at least going to be a sight to behold in this, in this football game. Yeah, so uh, actually, if that's what they're saying, I mean, I haven't looked. I've been heads down with other stuff today. But if that's what they're saying, they're wrong because the conditions tomorrow are not going to be as bad as Snowmageddon. I mean, I saw pictures of Snowmageddon and people were opening their front doors and there was snow above the, the door frame. What we're expecting tomorrow is two feet of snow, which, you know, unless you're a tiny person, <laughs> you're going to have, you're going to be all right. It's hey, going to be fine. I enjoyed your piece at Outkick where you compared the two quarterbacks and which quarterback is actually going into this game ready to play in the elements. I was surprised it's Tua and not Josh Allen. Well, yeah. So Josh Allen, people forget. I mean, he's from California. He's from the yeah. Fresno Valley. And I looked it up. His hometown gets an average of zero snowfall every year. And everybody has this view of Josh Allen being this caveman, you know, uh, Neanderthal caveman in, in, in the snow and in the blocks of ice. He's not that. He played in Wyoming. I get that. And obviously he is the favorite son here in Buffalo, but he doesn't like the cold. He was complaining the other day about taking his shoes off after practice and his feet were, quote, still frozen. So there's that. Now, having said that, he has the arm that is much better equipped for bad conditions and windy conditions uh, compared to Tua. But every quarterback that I've ever covered has always said to me, I don't mind playing in snow. I mind playing in ice. That's bad. And I mind uh, wind. That's bad because the ball sails or drops or I can't get my footing right. Those are the things that affect a passing game. By the way, also for receivers, they can't get their footing right. No doubt. I, I'm curious from the... 
the perception of Tua Tagovailoa now over this recent stretch and the reality of if he goes and leads the team to victory against Buffalo in these conditions, how that changes the perception, not just outsiders looking in, but the perception of this is the quarterback we and we know it, right? Like that is is it I don't it's not 50-50. I think they know that the that two is really good. But if he is able to prove he can take this team and lead them on the road in these conditions, what would that mean for him moving forward? Well, it would be big. Um obviously I look I think we we get caught up in the moment sometimes, Jonathan. Uh, Tua, the, the, the narrative on Tua this year has gone from we're going to put talent around him and see if, if what he does with that talent and if he succeeds, great. And if not, we'll move on after the season to he actually played well with that talent around him to oh my gosh, he's an MVP candidate to, oh my gosh, he struggled the last two weeks. He's not all that anymore. My guess is that it's more about Tua is good and that's what we're going to see. But to judge him off of one game when that one game is not a playoff game or not a, a, you know, a, a do or die game, that is... I think is probably not the best way to approach it. Let's get into the moment a little bit with, with Brock Purdy and the 49ers and, and what's happening there. And not really about anything past this season, but we talked about this in the first segment, Armando, about, you know, they've locked up the division and now it's the question of the two seed or the three seed, but the need to get Brock Purdy some more reps and get him playing with these guys even more. If he's going to be the guy going forward in the playoffs, what do you see from this 49ers team with Purdy right now, not just this regular season, and I'm not talking about a year or two in the future, but in a possible playoff run with what this offense looks like with him at the helm? Right. So, look, I like Brock Purdy a lot. I think he has uh, the it thing going on, the it factor, the pick your word, he's got it. Um, But, and I see, you know, obviously he wears number 13, He's not Dan Marino. He's not that guy. He's not Joe Montana. He's not that guy. Okay? Again, we've seen a small sample size with him. And what I assume we'll see going forward, not necessarily in the regular season, defensive coordinators who make a bunch of money, seven figures a year, they will find the – the mistakes, the problems, the the flaws in his game, and they will expose them. And it will matter. And if the San Francisco 49ers can win games with that great defense, which is the best in the NFL, or, you know, a running game that includes Christian McCaffrey, who is, you know, pretty dynamic, then they will advance. And if they have to rely on Brock Purdy, they won't advance. It's pretty much as simple as that. Uh, I, I'm sorry to be the pumpkin, you know, smasher <laughs> on Cinderella, but <laughs> that's just 
how it's going to play out. I'm we, sorry. We said the same thing about Brady in the playoffs in 2001. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but it was kind of the same thing, right? Well, this guy's not going to win you anything, but maybe he won't get you beat. Uh, and then they won the Super Bowl and the rest is history. But I, I, I'm with you. He's doing a good job of not throwing interceptions and not throwing in harm's way right now. And that's really what they need at this point. Armando Sepierro with way, us. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you mentioned Brady. The 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 Brock Purdy arc right now matches that Brady arc of that year. Yep. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is going to be Tom Brady, but I brought it up for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I, yeah. The 2001 Patriots didn't win, uh, you know, because of Tom Brady up until that Super Bowl game where he had the late drive against the Rams, but they won on great defense, great coaching, great discipline, a running game, and the quarterback didn't screw it up. Armando, uh, we're going to see Zach Wilson start for the New York Jets because Mike White has not been cleared to play by team doctors. Robert Sala, you could tell, was trying to speak this into existence from the jump, from postgame last week. He's like, yeah, he's going to play. And he finished the game. He came back not once but twice a week ago with the rib injury. And he's been practicing based on reports. He's been out there. And they're not going to clear him in time for the game. What, what's your reaction to that? And I, I'm, I know they're erring on the side of caution here. But we also know that football-wise, the Jets have to be pushing for him to play. The doctors aren't allowing it. Well, here's what I, I you know is a little disturbing to me. Okay. So Mike White gets, takes this vicious hit from Matt Milano last week, clean hit, but anyone who saw it saw that basically Milano uh, jackknifed, uh, you know, Mike White, it, it, it was like his head met his knees and Milano was in between there at the ribs. And he does have a fractured rib. Mike White said that today. Mike White continued to play in that game. So the doctors cleared him to play in that game. So the doctors who cleared him to play in that game are now not clearing him to play on Sunday because if he takes a hit that is in exactly the wrong place, it could create bigger problems. Let me think. So a hit in the exact right place could not create bigger problems last Sunday, but this Sunday, it all, all, all of a sudden it can. It speaks to, at the very least, the doctors that were on the sideline for the Jets on Sunday, um, you know, either prematurely cleared him or didn't have enough information to know better or something went wrong because Mike White, has not gotten worse during this week. He's gotten better, but he was fine to play last Sunday, but not fine to play this Sunday. It's easy to see where Robert Sala and probably Mike White would be confused at the very least as to how he got back in and could play and why he's saying after the game, oh, he's going to be fine. He'll play next week, knowing the situation, then being told by the doctors that he, in fact, is not cleared to play. So I, I can understand that confusion with everything you just laid out, Armando. Armando Salguero Senior NFL writer for Outkick.com is our guest. Saturday games, Ravens-Browns. What are the Ravens exactly right now with, with Tyler Huntley battling an injury also, 
but looking like he's going to play in this game. They're a team that, you know, doesn't move the needle. Uh, you know, they're, they're a good team with Lamar. Um, Lamar's not going to be there. The Ravens ha- need Lamar. Captain Obvious reporting for duty. But I got to tell you, um, the more interesting quarterback to me in this game continues to be Deshaun Watson. When does Deshaun Watson report for duty? Because the guy that we've seen playing for the Cleveland Browns the last couple of weeks, and I was at that game where he came back against the Houston Texans, that's not a good quarterback. Uh, Joe Montana said it. He's going to be rusty. Montana said he's going to be rusty for a couple of games. This is game three. It is time, my man, to you know, kind of step step up to that fully guaranteed two hundred and thirty million dollar contract because the team can only go so far with playing bad teams and or playing relying on a defense and the running game of Nick Chubb. He is supposed to be elite. He has been subpar. Um, it is time. Uh, I'm sorry. And forgive me if I'm not giving Deshaun Watson a huge break. He's not the kind of, you know, his history. I don't feel like giving him breaks. What can I tell you? Another quarterback expected to be elite is Trevor Lawrence. And I think it's an important four game stretch for him. uh, As he comes off this great game against Tennessee, they're back at home. They're hosting Dallas this week. And, while we don't know if he's turned a corner yet or not, he can certainly show us he has through this finish. And what we've seen recently is a lot of back and forth. You know, uh, one week, it's not great. The other week, outstanding. What do you think we're seeing right now with Trevor Lawrence, the franchise quarterback in Jacksonville? Growth, maturity, uh, and a good amount of chip on shoulder. And I love chip on shoulder. You guys saw uh, what he did to the crowd in Tennessee the other day. That is chip on shoulder, Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think I've ever seen that. I didn't see it at Clemson. I've obviously never seen it in Jacksonville. But that dude showed a, an edge to him that I, that I didn't know was there. And What I would say to you is a lot of the great quarterbacks who have been great quarterbacks in the NFL, they have that edge. They have that villain inside of them that they keep sometimes suppressed, Not sometimes not so suppressed, but they've got that anger thing, that motivation thing. Brady has made a career out of it. Others have done so as well. We saw it in Trevor Lawrence. If he can continue to, you know, manage and manifest that and at the same time develop under Doug Peterson uh, we might be here in a year maybe two and he's the best quarterback in the NFL I want to go back to that Jets matchup against the Lions Armando because it's an interesting matchup from the perspective of the current playoff picture both teams right now are the nine seed two spots out of the final wild card selection at seven But both teams, if you start to look ahead, the Giants and the Seahawks are ahead of the Lions. Meanwhile, the Chargers and the Patriots are ahead of the Jets. 
the game against these two uh, franchises will go a long way. Now, the circumstances are a bit different in the AFC, NFC, and, and tiebreakers and all that. But it's an interesting glimpse at this at the 6-7 and seven Detroit Lions, second in the NFC North, and the 7-6 and six Jets, and an opportunity for Detroit to continue to climb and claw and scratch their way to a seven seed. It would be very surprising based on the way they started. Your Lions, Armando. Your Lions. You guys are going to drag me yes. kicking and Let's screaming. Come on. Lions talk. Let's talk Lions. <laughs> and it's interesting uh, because this week I'm with you. And it's interesting because the Jets have a very good defense. Can we agree on that? They yes, are absolutely underrated, outstanding. They're very good. They're, with the exception of Quinn and Williams, they are healthy. And it will be a great measure of Jared Goff, who we talked about last week, has developed well, well in advance uh, under, you know, the, the Lions coaching staff and Dan Campbell, of course, than he did under the Rams coaching staff and Sean McVay, who gave up on him. So this is all right, Jared. Nice, you know, <laughs> nice season. The Jets have probably the best defense you've faced so far this season. What do you got, brother? So it looks like Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a cowboy, kind of, uh, maybe. This is the quote from Jerry Jones to USA Today. Odell's going to join us. Next sentence. There's a good chance he will join us. (laughs) With the complete goal of getting ready for a playoff game or two, and then I'll look to the future. But most of it being about now. Obviously... Adding Odell Beckham Jr. this late in the game is about now and about a possible playoff run. He goes on to reference, we need some Deion Sanders-like moments in the playoffs, and he's a guy capable of giving us that in a playoff run. What do you think of this this quote, Armando, but the idea of Odell Beckham Jr., the team we've circled the whole time, being possible with the Cowboys, that possible marriage here late in the season and in the playoffs? Yeah, so... God bless Jerry Jones. I love Jerry Jones. Me too. <laughs> because uh, he's the only owner in the NFL that talks every week. And uh, a lot of media guys roll their eyes, and I just st- stand there and applaud because the more, the, the merrier. What I would say to you about Odell Beckham Jr. is if we're expecting him to be electric, dynamic, uh, immediately, didn't we just get done talking about Deshaun Watson? And Deshaun Watson's not coming off of injuries. Odell Beckham Jr. is coming off his second ACL. And to ask him to skip the entire season, because that would be the plan, and then show up for the playoffs and factor, that's a a high, high bar to ask him to jump over. And I'm not sure that it's a fair bar to ask him to jump over. Yeah, and going back to our conversation last week, I, I, I understand the pass game for, for Dallas has been very inconsistent, but I, I think adding Odell Beckham Jr. takes away from where the focus should be, which is on the run game. Dallas's run game over the last six weeks, they're averaging 171 yards a game on the ground. I mean, that to me is, is going to lead this team more than it will be on the arm of Dak Prescott. Moreover, you know who they could use more than Odell Beckham Jr.? Amari Cooper. Oh, uh, who they traded to the Cleveland Browns. 
for like a lampshade. <laughs> and yet, you know, uh, what happened there? You wouldn't need Odell Beckham Jr. if you had Amari Cooper. Titans and Chargers, I, I don't see uh, a, a Titans team that's going on the road this week and winning with how they're playing. I know the Chargers give up a ton of rushing yards per game defensively. Uh, the Titans give up a ton of passing yards per game, and one team is throwing the football very well. The other team, known for running it, hasn't been running it very well. I don't see L.A. losing, and that's big because the Chargers would have picked up back-to-back -back wins over Miami and Tennessee in the AFC. Right, so you're absolutely right. It's hard to see uh, the Titans winning that game, but for me, it's easy to see the Chargers losing it. Mm. And, you know, Bill Parcells once told me 60 to 70% of the games in the NFL are lost before they're won. And what he meant by that is teams find a way to lose and hand victories to their opponents. And the Chargers are on my top five list of teams that hand victories over to the opponents. They are a very talented team that is chronically always injured and chronically always underachieving and chronically always making, you know, boneheaded, weird mistakes that uh, no one understands because their roster is a talented roster and they've got you know obviously a, an outstanding amazing quarterback so uh, you're right uh, the Chargers probably should win this game but I think Mike Vrabel is a better coach than Brandon Staley I think that the Titans are a better I'm saying this understanding what has happened this year. Yep. The Titans are a better organization than the Chargers, and the Chargers don't have a home field advantage. They're, I mean, it, no. Los Angeles, like, yawns every time <laughs> the, the Chargers play. It, it's, it's, it's crazy over there. So the Washington Commanders, their last time out, they tied the New York Giants, and they get a bye week, and their very next game is against the New York Giants. This is not what you want to see in a schedule and the schedule makers at the NFL, but this is what we're going to get. And Armando, never in my life have I rooted for a tie, but I'm rooting <laughs> for a back-to-back -back ties in this game. Let's make NFL history. I want to see two teams play each other back-to-back -back times, at least for the commanders. The Giants had a game in between. And let's tie it up again. What do you think about the matchup? I think the, the Giants have problems. I think that they've been kind of found out. Uh, you can only win so much on discipline and moxie and, and, you know, and try hard. Eventually you need talent. And although the commanders are not supremely talented, they are the more talented team. And so, you know, I would say that the commanders should probably win this game, but I'd also tell you that, um, what we're going to see in this game is two quarterbacks who, if you ask, if you put um, truth serum in the leaders of their organizations, their twin organizations, you would understand that neither of these two guys are the ones that the organizations want next year as their starting quarterback. Just to, to put a bow on the, the playoff discussion for both of these teams, 
Washington, 86% chance of making the postseason with a win, 28% chance with a loss. The Giants, 90% chance of making the postseason with a win, 31% chance with a loss. And Seattle, they will be at 57% to make the postseason either way. The result doesn't factor in, according to Football Outsiders. And Detroit, if they continue to go on this path, 20% if the Giants win, 21% if Washington wins. Again, the other two teams fighting for that spot, not really affected by the result. The loser, though, in the head-to-head matchup is definitely affected. And with the feels another, like an elimination with game another loser, tie, almost. with another tie, it probably just stays exactly the same. Where Washington still has the advantage, I would assume. Um, but man, what a storyline that would be up. if they tie again. Let's get another yeah. tie. That's what I'm rooting for. Rooting um, for a tie, I feel like a soccer right. fan right now. No, no tie I'm tomorrow. For that tie. No tie tomorrow in the snow game. I, I need, uh, I need some ground and pound, and I want to see uh, an old school battle. Hey, stay warm, this. Armando. Don't take your cleats off and have frozen feet. Like uh, like Josh Allen, make sure you wear multiple layers and multiple pairs of socks. Oh no, it's it's great. I love Buffalo. I'm gonna go out after after I get done with my duties for Outkick and get myself one of the local delicacies, beef on weck. There you go. Enjoy. Uh, that makes up for the holiday party that you couldn't make last yeah, night here. We in didn't Nashville. have that at the holiday party. That's right. So just so you know, <laughs> beef on weck sounds better. We're very jealous. Hey Armando, thank you, man. Enjoy it. All right, man. Armando Salguero joins us weekly. I always love having him on. Be fun. Uh, Great job with his coverage as well at Outkick.com. Coming up, straight up, money line upsets. We went two for three this past week. We made some cash. Now we are going um, three for three. I've got three games for you, Chad. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Fifteen is here. Outkick three sixty across the Outkick network. It is time for my underdog picks across the NFL. I've got three for you. Winners three for on, four. Winners last only. Week. Winners only. Let's go three for three. And I'll be interested to see Chad your thoughts on this. I'm. Let's start with the Detroit Lions. Now, at the time I sent this last night, Detroit was a one point underdog. Detroit is now a one point favorite against the Jets, uh, based on the situation with Mike White. So. At the time I put this in at outkick.com slash bet, I'm taking them as the one-point underdog to just win outright against New York. Baltimore against the Browns. The Browns are favored by two and a half. Wrong team favored. The Browns are done. They can't run the football. That's how they win games. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Baltimore has some good news with Tyler Huntley clearing concussion protocol. But the real kicker for me is Baltimore's defense is getting the football and handing over extra possessions for its offense. That is crucial in what's going to be a low-scoring game. Give me Baltimore on the road. Plus, Jacksonville might as well here. Ride, ride the hot hand of Trevor Lawrence, guys. The, the Jags' last five games, 111.7 passer rating, completing 71% of his passes, 
10 touchdowns, no interceptions on 181 attempts. Trevor Lawrence is starting to get a great feel for what they're doing offensively in Jacksonville. He's leading. Meanwhile, Dallas, we, we saw how Houston came close. Jacksonville is much better than Houston. Give me the Jags at home. They're getting four points. I think they went outright. I'm betting these individually. You can parlay them if you'd like to. That's how Chad does this. Detroit, Baltimore, Jacksonville. Parlayed it. $3 bet would win you twenty-one seventy-eight with that parlay. And I need this, Hutton, because that $3 bet put me at $2.51 in my account. All right. This is where I start my comeback right now with these winners, all three winners from Hutton come Sunday. Outkick.com slash bet. Saturday and Sunday, I should say. You can go through DraftKings there. Davey, what do you think? Hutton, do you think the Jags will finally be able to break their 20-game losing streak against an NFC team? They have uh, they've That's been an able atrocious to break some, uh, uh, stretch. They've been the breaking Jack. some streaks. Um, yes, it's time. This is sort of the blind squirrel theory, right? I mean, it's time. It's, it's, it's eventually going to have to happen. I mean, they had not won in Nashville against the Titans since 2013. Right. Playing there every year. They, they snapped that streak on Sunday. So why not end another streak? That's definitely the one that I'm most concerned about with sure. your picks. But you, you've got to go big on at least one of them, so why I'm not? Taking them at home, and again, not a massive home field advantage. There'll be a ton of Dallas fans there, frank, quite frankly. But um, I don't know if Dallas is playing their best football. And I do know that Trevor Lawrence right now is playing his best football. So I'm just riding the hot hand. If I lose, I'm still going two for three, but I really feel like we're going three for three this week. Headlines when we return. Plus, we will take a, a glance at the three games that will kick off across the league on Saturday. 